Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke McGrath. And I'm Jess Rudenstein, and I thank you for taking your time and spending it with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. There is less than a month left of the NHL regular season, and Bet Online is offering you the chance to win some money while you watch. Because Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every game this season, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether it's the NHL, international hockey, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, we'll chat with College Hockey News' Adam Wodon about the season coming to a close. But first, just happy anniversary. Yeah, I just got the notification on Facebook and LinkedIn today that first time that we connect. So happy anniversary, my friend. Same to you. And I thank you. You've done all the heavy lifting. I just show up and, and talk, but you do all the hard work. So I thank you because we were two strangers put together. Without you, this show doesn't make it a year. So thank you, Luke, for all that you've done. I appreciate that, Jess, and I'm very happy that we get to hit all these big milestones together, but we unfortunately have another milestone that we just saw hit because our top story today is for the second straight year, the CHL Memorial Cup has been canceled. CHL President Dan McKenzie made the announcement on Tuesday that due to travel limitations and health and safety protocol, the WHL, QMJHL, and OHL will not be crowning a Memorial Cup champion. This is only the second time in history there will not be a Memorial Cup winner. The first time, of course, happening in 2020. So, Jess, two years in a row, no Memorial Cup. How does this make you feel? For me, it bums me out because you're taking four of the best teams in major junior hockey, and we don't know. We don't find out who's Canada's best team is. For me, it's a sport attractor. You know, we get these games televised on the NHL network, and we lose out on seeing some really good players that otherwise the fans don't get to see. It's also the only time of the year where we really get to see much of the junior play other than the, you know, World Junior Championships. I'm, for one, I'm really disappointed because there were some really good teams this year, whether it's, uh, you know, the Brandon Wee Kings out West. You know, we, we didn't even see anything from the OHL, so I can't even talk to you about that because we can't have hockey in the Ontario province. Yeah, Canada has had a really tough time as of lately dealing with COVID. The WHL is having the hardest time out of any active league. And the reason I say active is just like you said, Jess, we heard the other day that the OHL is still going to try their best to get out there and play some games. But let's be real here. There's not going to be an OHL season. There shouldn't be because the dub has less than a month left of their regular season. The queue is going until June. Why try to start now if there's going to be no Memorial Cup? The whole point of the Memorial Cup is to have the champion of every league, and you're not going to be present anyway. So I know this really screws the kids more than anything. And now that the draft is in July instead of June, you want to get them out on the ice. They have something to show teams before they get drafted, but 
the OHL really has to cut their losses because with this announcement, there's really no reason for them to come and try and play with this short notice to play maybe 10 games if they can get it in. Don't waste the time of us, yourself, the players. They have to give it a rest. This should be a wake-up call to the NHL. I can't see realistically how you're going to get a good read on the kids. Holding the draft this July, I think, is a bad idea. I would postpone it until, say, December and get a look, get half a season in and and focus on the kids that were draft eligible. I'm sorry, some of these kids aren't going to get to play, so postpone the draft. I mean, look, let's go out west. That's our other story. We, we go out out west. Tri-Cities had to shut down. And Kelowna's been bad. Camus got hit. As a matter of fact, if you're in any of the Western Conference teams in the WHL, you had to, like, walk on eggshells because of COVID. Yeah, Jess, you brought it up. The Tri-City Americans of the WHL have shut down due to a positive COVID test. The Americans' last opponent, the Seattle Thunderbirds, don't have to quarantine, but the Americans' next three games through April 21st have been postponed. So, Kelowna just got back after nearly three weeks out of action. So, how badly do you think this postponement affects the dub, Jess? Oh, it hurts it big time. I mean, you've got games canceled, and you're not having a playoffs. And the way that the, the dub schedule is, I mean, you've got oh, one division is going to be finished before, say, the BC division which will be like three weeks later to get that quote-unquote 24 games in. Hey, come on, this is, let's be honest. We all know, I mean, unless you've been living with your head in the ground, you know COVID has affected everything. There's no shame in saying, guys, we got to look out for the health of our players and staff. So let's say thank you. We'll come back in September. We'll start our season. Hopefully we get the vaccine up into Canada even faster. There's some great players in the WHL. I mean, this one kid, this Connor Bedard, this 15-year-old kid, I hate to say that he's a Gretzky, Sidney Crosby player, but he had, you know, 18 points in 16 games. This kid is awesome. There's another 15-year-old in the dub that's going to be a stud, but why risk their health? You're going to still be a great stud player in September. Oh, man, it's it's a mess. It's really hard on the dub, especially facing another shutdown after just getting back from this huge one in Kelowna. But I think the dub benefits from the fact that the NHL has postponed their final day of the season. And that's not because it allows them more time to play, but I think that takes some of the pressure off. You know, the big guys are willing to compromise to make ends meet. We shouldn't have to hold ourselves to a higher standard to compromise the players and the game. So three games for Tri-City. It's not that much. If Kelowna can do it, Tri-City can do it. And if it's more than three games, we take some more time. Is it alarming that there's another shutdown? Yeah, sure. But there's bigger hurdles that have been cleared this past year. I think the dub will be okay. And I think if it does get worse, they don't have so much pressure to keep things so static. And the way that they originally set it up, I think they have the opportunity to pivot here. If they don't want to stick to the schedule, they don't have to. Let them take whatever measures they can to take this, make sure it's done the correct way and they can finish out their season. Uh, you know, I, 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 to me... The biggest sin is hockey without fans in the stands, you know, because that's what makes the game so much fun. I mean, I'm blessed. I really I really say that to people that I am blessed that I do get to 
go into some of these small towns. The guys on the East Coast, you guys don't realize how much fun hockey is out West. You know, the kiss cam, the, the teddy bear toss. I mean, I love those things, but you can't have them this year, you know, because of COVID. It's okay. Come back in September. We'll be still here. It's more than just the major juniors. You've got the junior A's. They've been affected. I mean, the BCHL just started to play. You know, all the other little provinces, they have their own little junior A teams. They're struggling to get the games going. So there's no shame in saying we're going to protect our health. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Adam Wodon of College Hockey News. But before that, we want to thank one of the sponsors of today's episode, Canaan Sunglasses. Summer is right around the corner and there is nothing more essential than a good pair of sunglasses. The problem is that so many different pairs either scratch, break, or cost way too much. But Canaan makes their sunglasses with polarized lenses, meaning that they're clearer, lighter, and stronger. So before you head out for the summertime, you can use the exclusive code CANANCAST15 at Canaan.com to receive 15% off on your first purchase. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canaan, clearly better. And joining us now is College Hockey News' own friend of the show, Adam Lodon. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. You got it, guys. So, Adam, I think the first question that's got to be asked is now that the college hockey season is behind us, considering everything, how was the season in your opinion? Well, um, for the teams that made it through, it was good. <laughs> I mean, it was a, uh, a struggle, obviously, as you know, but I can't help but always think about the schools that didn't get to play at all. You know, the Ivy League schools in particular, some of which had legitimate national championship possibilities and then of course you know there was three teams that got basically expelled from the NCAA tournament over COVID issues I do think that UMass is a legitimate national champion uh, you know I've had this discussion and I, I don't see a need for any asterisks or anything because I think that they genuinely were the best team so you know in that regard it's all good but as celebratory as the end was and as good as the games at the Frozen Four were I can't ever escape the fact that I feel bad for those who didn't even get a chance. I know you said that UMass was the best team this year, and honestly, it looked that way. But looking at the three other teams, this is the first time in a long time, I believe since 07, that we didn't have any one seeds in the Frozen Four. So the rest of the teams in the Frozen Four, were you shocked, or do you think that they really earned a spot there? Well... I thought UMass should have been a one seed, so there you go. <laughs> That'll do it, Karen. I had them uh, in our projection at the end of the year, I had them as the one seed there. So I always thought that they were better than Wisconsin, for example, in the first place. And so in that sense, it doesn't surprise me. St. Cloud and BC were close because we never got a chance to see teams play each other across conferences this year. It was very hard to tell. You know, you're kind of going off of uh, intuition and the eye test as much as you could watching games and just kind of your impressions of the team. So St. Cloud, you know, not a surprise at all. Duluth, not really a surprise at all, given their history. And uh, who am I leaving out? Oh, Minnesota State. Yeah, no, I mean, again, you know, because it, it, it's so hard to tell. I mean, for a lot of the year, you know, they were among the top four. We were doing like a, a power 16 
and uh, publishing that in, in lieu of having a computer ranking that actually worked. A lot of what took place, we had speculated was among the possibilities. There was nothing where we were like totally surprised. It was a good tournament, despite what COVID did to it, which just makes me feel that the future for college hockey seems to be really good. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's hard to argue. I think we've already had like 15 players make their NHL debuts that played in the college hockey this season. So uh, a number of them were, uh, were at the Frozen Four or in the NCAA tournament. But Cole Caulfield scored like uh, three goals in his first two AHL games and then was brought up to Montreal fairly quickly. I'm not even sure why they bothered putting him in the AHL in the first place. But yeah, so and I think that you might see two of the top five picks in the upcoming draft coming from NCAA. And perhaps the number one overall. So, I mean, it's a slow and steady progression upwards. Things go in cycles. Maybe one day uh, Kyle Chalky will have a, a lull again, but that's hard to foresee at the moment. It's only getting better. I mean, there's a lot of craziness going on with players switching teams left and right. But as far as uh, the players going to the NHL, I mean, that doesn't really matter. The quality is better than it's ever been. But uh, there is a lot of chaos in college hockey right now inside of it. Well, let's talk about that chaos. How do you see it affecting the sport itself? I mean, this is not just a hockey thing because it's happening to all the NCAA sports. And uh, obviously we pay close attention to hockey. So, you know, you got players that might start to be eligible to get paid. Uh, the NCAA has opened things up in terms of transfer. You're not allowed to transfer. I mean, basically every player is a free agent now every year. This is uh, the Charlie Finley dream, the uh, old Oakland A's owner who wanted every baseball player to be a free agent every year, thought that would keep costs down. <laughs> that never happened, but uh, here's his dream being fulfilled. So what that means is uh, total chaos. And the impression that you get is that it only helps the rich get richer in terms of quality of the, you know, the big time schools. But for hockey, I'm not convinced yet that it matters. I mean, we've kind of been fooled before where we thought that rule changes or changes in the landscape would be to the betterment of some of the blue blood programs. And that has not been the case. So as you see, I mean, all the teams in the frozen four, three of them are division two schools in other sports. And UMass is the only one that wasn't. And uh, that's not a traditional hockey powerhouse. It might be now, but so it remains to be seen. But I, I know that it is causing a lot of angst amongst the coaches. Let's keep going on the future. I mean, we, we see a Division Three school, St. Thomas, is making the jump to Division One. Do you see any other schools possibly adding hockey programs, given the growth of what appears to be college hockey's increased interest? Yeah, I mean, people ask me this on our podcast probably every week in our mailbag. And I always say, like, didn't you listen to the past 27 podcasts? But my answer is always the same. If you stumble upon $90 million, then sure, any program, any school will add hockey. And there's just absolutely no way of knowing whether this is the case. You got to remember, too, like the revenue is down everywhere right now because of the lack of fans and the cost of all the testing that they've had to do. So schools are even going to be more reluctant to add right now. I mean, there is a number of schools that uh, have talked about it, but I tend to ignore, like everyone can talk about it, but the only schools that have added really, I mean, St. Thomas already had a program. And so what's it, you know, I'm not sure what it's really doing more other than paying a coach more than it did in the past. 
at the moment. Now they're still playing in a 1000 seat arena, which is going to be a hindrance to them until they spend the $40 million or whatever it might be to, to build a new arena. So that is usually the roadblock for every school, Illinois, for example, which is one school that was genuinely on the cusp last year before the pandemic started. And their whole thing was like trying to raise the money. <laughs> We're talking like $90 million and to get approval for an arena in, in Champaign, Illinois, which would have cost $40 million combination of private funds and taxpayer money. So it's a very difficult hurdle for any school. And that's why every school recently that's added has usually been because some donor donated a buttload of money. Joining us right now is Adam Lodon of College Hockey News. But before we continue, we want to thank one of the sponsors of today's episode, Just Live. With so much happening in the world, it's very easy to feel stressed or lose sleep. And that's why Just Live released their new line of CBD gummies that have six different flavors and functions. They're vegan and they're great if you need support in different areas of your life. Just Live was founded by world-class athletes, including Clay Thompson and Alex Morgan. So you don't just have to take my word for it. And right now you can buy one, get one free of the new gummies line with the code support at justlive.com. That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com. Use code support. And now back to the show. Well, let's talk about the teams that are in trouble. The Alaska programs and Alabama Huntsville. Do they survive? If you ask them, they say, yeah, but it's a very touchy subject because I don't personally feel like everyone is really being honest with themselves more than anything. Obviously, you don't want to say that, you know, we have no hope for those schools. And like a school like Alaska, Alaska Anchorage, actually, is you know trying to raise $3 million and they supposedly have the backing of the Seattle Kraken as far as getting support to reach that goal. They're only at $2 million. They have an August 1st deadline to get the $3 million. You sound like, um, you know, Mr. Doom and Gloom if you say these things and they get very mad at you. But what does the $3 million really get them other than a couple of years more kicking the can down the road? They don't have an arena. They play in a 700-seat on-campus arena because they can no longer afford the downtown 4,000-seat Sullivan Center, which uh, they weren't drawing flies to anyway anymore. They don't have a conference to play in, which is the same problem that Alabama Huntsville has. And so none of these problems actually get solved. A lot of people in the media will go, hey, well, congratulations, or like, great job, Alabama Huntsville and Alaska Anchorage raising all this money. And I'm always like, you know, you're sending your donation down a black hole unless you have a long-term solution. And uh, then I get yelled at. So uh, (laughs) that's where I stand on those things. Uh, Getting yelled at was part of the job. I mean, I get yelled at all the time because I'm always told, I don't know what I'm talking about. And why did you ask me? I'm usually (laughs) one yelling at him. Yeah, exactly. Since you mentioned Seattle Kraken, is there a possibility of a Pac-12 conference coming in? I mean, there's the Nike money up there in the Northwest. I mean, you got UW, Washington State's. Central Washington, or is it Western Washington, that have club programs at the ACHA level, Oregon. Do we have a possibility of seeing that? Your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. <laughs> but, like I said, donate $90 million to any one of those schools, and they'll be more than happy to start. Actually, it's funny because I, I guess uh, I'm not saying this because you're here, but if I had to wave the magic wand, my two 
most uh, desired ones are Washington and Oregon to add. I would love to see that happen. When Arizona State started, that came completely out of the blue. Somebody sat there and was like, hey, I've got $40 million to blow. I'm going to give it to Arizona State and let them start a program. And that's what happened. Any one of these places that you can think of would work. You know, you would get the fans. It would be interesting. It would be fun. But convincing them to plop down that money, you know, is pretty tough to do. I used to live in Lane County. And when they built the Knight Arena, put an ice hockey plant in. And they've not used it. And everybody was expecting Phil Knight to, you know, do like he does with the rest of the school. You know, he buys the school every year something new. So I wouldn't be surprised if. Oregon and Washington eventually do come up with a program. Oregon, uh, yeah, Knight could do that out of the, the change in his couch cushions. I mean, he really wanted to, but what are you going to do? I mean, you know, Vanderbilt is another one that I've always said would be fantastic, especially with the popularity of, of the Predators. I would love to see that happen. I mean, as it is, uh, they're playing a Hall of Fame game, and uh, it was supposed to be last year, but North Dakota is playing season opening 2021 Hall of Fame game in Nashville in October. So I would love to see uh, Georgia, you know, Pac-12 SEC. That would be great. Not going to happen anytime. It's, it's so hard to coordinate, you know, because it's just all individual. We've been talking so much about adding new teams, what new teams can possibly come out of new schools. Obviously, we can't predict the future because last time we tried that, we all just ate our words and, you know, this whole thing kept on going. Do you think it's realistic that we see every program who opted out of this past season come back next season? I mean, I'm always Mr. Doom and Gloom, so were you guys trying to talk me off the ledge last time we talked? I, I, <laughs> I was right, so... You know, everyone who always says that to me, I've never been wrong in that one. <laughs> Predicting the worst never gets me wrong, usually. So <laughs> if you thought the last year and a half was bad, I can't even, like even me, who like foresees lots of disasters, can't even fathom another year going by with those schools not playing again. And Union has already announced a non-league schedule for next year, which was normal. So I'm hoping that's a sign that uh, they're done with this stuff. All those schools that we're talking about, like those Ivy League schools, I've seen uh, most of them announce that they're going to be requiring all their students to be vaccinated before they're even allowed back on campus. So, and I'd imagine that they can accomplish that by August anyway. So I, I, I have to think that that would be sufficient for them to uh, allow athletics to continue. Because if not, I mean, every single one of those coaches are going to resign. It's going to be like Armageddon. Yeah, even pessimistic me thinks that uh, all those schools will be back playing next year. The only ones, the only caveats are, you know, like Alaska, that's not related to the pandemic. I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, those schools, you know, really got hosed. They lost a lot of good players as a result of this. But their recruiting has continued. So I'm mean, hoping that they get themselves back on track relatively quickly. But it's going to be tough. But I think they'll be playing. All three of us here love college hockey, but, you know, we're busy guys. You know, a guy like me, I love to watch college hockey, but I'm trying to watch the Mets before they get postponed by rain again. I'm trying to talk myself into the Jets taking Zach Wilson at two. I've got a lot of things going on. So if you have a pick, do you have a player who, A, just transferred schools and is going to make an impact at their new school, and, B, a player who just signed their pro contract and is going to make some waves now at a higher level? Well, 
there could be multiple answers to that question, but I'll try to think of the first ones that come to mind as far as transfers are concerned. I mean, there's been so many of them. I'm trying to think, but like one that comes to mind immediately is like uh, Eric Dopp, who transferred from Bowling Green to Boston College because Boston College has been decimated again by early departures. And that's a whole other show entirely. If Boston College is really doing the right thing these days, they're going to have no roster. They, they're like, this transfer stuff's the biggest thing to them. They got all these seniors, but I'm not convinced. So I think that'll make an impact. I mean, they don't otherwise really wouldn't have a goalie. This guy, you know, is pretty good from uh, Bowling Green, but I'm not convinced that it's really going to do what they hope it will do because all you're doing is plugging in a bunch of fifth year seniors into your roster from different places and, and expecting them to all gel in one year. And then they're gone again. So, I mean, it doesn't solve your problem as far as I'm concerned. So that can go either way. We'll see. But as far as like guys have just went to the end, I mean, there's been so many of them, but my favorite one, I'm not necessarily saying, I mean, Cole Caulfield's obvious, but my favorite one is Wade Allison, who went to the Flyers, was going to Flyers draft pick for a while. Every time I've seen him play in college, he's been tremendous. The problem is he's been hurt so much and he's been off the ice for large portions and he's come back and he got hurt again. If he can stay healthy, enormous if. But if he stays healthy with the Flyers, I, I really expect him to be a really good NHL player. I'm not a superstar, but like a really good second line kind of player. Adam, tell us about your podcast. How do these guys find College Hockey News? Let's see. Uh, well, collegehockeynews.com. We have prominent links to all of our stuff. So if you, if you ever forget, it's very easy to remember College Hockey News, right? But uh, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, and all that jazz as far as the podcast is concerned. But uh, Twitter, at CH News, is also the other best place to find constant updates and links to everything. So Adam Wooden, he's the guy that runs College Hockey News. Thank you so very much for joining us today. You can catch this man on the collegehockeynews.com, the Bible, in my opinion, for anything college hockey. No problem. Talk to you soon. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you like this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Please stay safe. Wear those masks. Get that shot. And we'll see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.